This is Spunky. And Snarky. And we say, welcome Welcome to to the the show. Hello, and welcome back to our show. I can't believe it's already the end of April, and it's gonna be May. Already, it's like this year is just flying by. I mean, I can't believe it's been over a year since COVID. But Lockdown least, and all that. All these things are starting to come back a little bit and starting to get a little back to normal. I hope everyone's staying safe out there. And staying alive. Stay alive. But anyway, Mother's Day's coming up, and one of our mother's favorite things, other than Jaws. Well, she does make an appearance in this episode. That's true! (laughs) So, really, this episode that we're reviewing today encompasses our mother's favorite things, which is Nancy Drew, the Hardy Boys, and particularly one Hardy Boy, (laughs) and Jaws. All featured in this episode of the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries, that we're going to be looking at today. Today we're watching the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries, from Season 2, Episodes 4 and 5, called Mystery of the Hollywood Phantom. The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Mysteries is a mystery series based on the novel series of the same name. The TV series ran from three seasons from January 30th, 1977 to January 14th, 1979 on ABC. So the show opens up and we see Frank and Joe Hardy, the Hardy Boys, and they're coming out of an airplane into the airport. But there's someone watching a gloved hand figure. He's looking at a photo of a girl. Next thing you know, the girl also gets off the plane, coming down the corridor, and we see her, and she is, of course, Nancy Drew. And the gloved hand cuts the head off the picture. Nancy goes to make a phone call to her friend Bess, and while she's on the phone, she notices a strange figure slip a picture into a man's bag. So, of course, Nancy being Nancy, it leaves the phone a hanging and goes over to see what the guy slipped in the other guy's bag. Well, the man who owns the bag, he has a cowboy hat and turns around and is like, what are you doing to my bag? And she's like, I just saw someone who slipped something in your bag and he ran off. And he's like, I don't believe you. She's trying to explain herself. And that's when Frank and Joe show up and make up some story. And the cowboy lets them go. Nancy and Frank talk for a minute, but then Nancy remembers she left Bess on the phone and runs off. Joe cheeses Frank because Frank obviously has a little crush on Nancy, and they wonder what she's doing in Los Angeles. So we cut to a cab, and Nancy reaches into her bag and finds the picture of herself with her head cut off. She turns it over, and there's a note on the back that says, No one will shed a tear when you're gone. Because we're in Hollywood, we cut back to a studio and we see our mysterious hand again. But now he's cutting a picture of the Hardy Boys' father, Fenton, who is also a detective. This time with a paper cutter, because scissors just weren't doing it for him this time. (laughs) (laughs) The camera pans up and he's wearing a Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera mask. And we see him type a label that says, the best shall also go, and puts it on the back of the photo. 
We then cut to the Towers Hotel, and we see a man get out of his car to a swarm of reporters, and they ask him a bunch of questions. He says that he's just there to relax at the 14th Annual Detectives Convention. He excuses himself and goes over to chat with Fenton Hardy. We find out that his name is Jason Fox. And the man in the cowboy hat from the airport comes over and we find out that his name is Arlo Weatherly and he's also a detective. They talk shop for a bit until Arlo spots Nancy and goes over to her. He accuses her of putting a cut photo in his bag. But before she can answer, the Hardy boys come over and try to bail her out again. She says that she doesn't need their help and she tells Arlo that she got a cut photo too. He takes a look at it and Nancy tells him to read the message. He does so and then shows Nancy his photo that says, you'll be first, cowboy. Arlo apologizes to Nancy and then brushes the whole thread off as a joke. Back with Fenton and Jason, we meet another guest, Philip Bronson, who's this like British detective. Philip and Jason Fox kind of had a friendly rivalry. Then the assistant manager of the hotel, David Hargrove, comes over and says that the hotel overlooks a TV and movie studio and he booked them all on a tour this afternoon. We then cut to a drawer opening and see two cut pictures of Frank and Joe in it. Joe grabs them and shows Frank and says, welcome to the club. So the Hardy Boys and Nancy and their father are having lunch and Frank and Joe show them the photos that they got and that say brothers can disappear too. They're like, oh, the photos were taken in the hotel, so maybe it is just a stupid prank. Nancy doesn't think so. She thinks somebody is serious about this. Jason Fox joins them and says he found a photo too in his room. Jason thinks it's a prank because they do these kind of pranks like every year at the detective convention. Yeah, it's like their idea of fun. Then Mr. Hardgrove tells them that it's time for the tour, so let's get going. At the unnamed studio, even though it's obviously Universal Studios. And so they're getting on and off the tram to look at different stuff. But at one point, when they get back on the tram, Nancy finds the top half of Arlo Weatherly's photo with his face. But Arlo Weatherly is nowhere to be found. And they were sitting next to each other. So she's like, where to go? So she tells the Hardys that she needs to go look for him. And they're like, you're overthinking it. She's like, I'm going. And Frank's like, okay, I'll go with you. So while Nancy and Frank are off looking, they hit an outdoor shoot and they meet an actor whose name is Paul Hamilton, a.k.a. Casey Kasem. Yes. Um, But he's not giving the top 40s or solving mysteries. He's doing his best Columbo impression. Yeah, he's totally dressed as Columbo. Like they couldn't get Peter Falk to do this cameo. So they just got (laughs) Casey Kasem instead. (laughs) Then we cut again because they just love cutting to different scenes in this show. (laughs) And we see the Phantom tying up Arlo. Phantom of the studio is here inside my mind. So the Phantom is tying up Arlo in a jail cell and locking the door and crumpling up his photo. Nancy and Frank are still looking around and when this guard stops them and like kicks them out because he's like, you shouldn't have left the tour. Back at the hotel, the Hardys go over to chat with Nancy and she's reading a shooting script of The House on Bracken Moor, which they are currently filming at Studio 24. The story is about an old house on an English moor where eight people are brought together by mysterious circumstances. They each receive a photograph of themselves as a threat. 
One by one, each of the people start to disappear. And Frank says it's just a coincidence. And Nancy gets annoyed because she's kind of over Frank's shit. Like, usually the Hardy Boys aren't this asshole-ish in these episodes. For some reason, they're being really annoying in this one. Like, Nancy, you're all alone. I need to protect you. Well, I think Frank's trying to white knight for her because he has a crush on her. her and he's trying to, like, impress her. So Nancy decides to go check out her lead at the infamous Studio 24. And we cut to the Phantom putting cutouts of the Hardys' heads onto other people's bodies in a framed canvas. We pan out to see more of the detectives at the convention's heads on the canvas as well. Nancy snoops around a bit and then comes across the canvas. She quickly looks at it and then suddenly hears a noise and sees a shadow in the window behind her. She goes outside and walks down the street looking for the Phantom. She hears a noise over by the lake and goes to check it out. And we see the phantom watching Nancy on a monitor wherever he's hiding. Nancy sees another cut photo of herself on the railing by this lake and goes to reach for it. When the phantom hits a switch that makes the platform she's standing on move and she falls into the water. The phantom hits another switch and a shark is released. Nancy sees the shark coming and starts swimming as Jaws pops up and makes biting motions at her. Nancy finally gets out of the water and starts walking back down the street when the Phantom then tries to run her over in a Mack truck. But she is rescued by McLeod, a.k.a. Dennis Weaver, as himself, on a horse. And they chat for a bit and then he gives her a lift back to the hotel on the horse. There's a little funny tidbit I want to mention about this. Dennis Weaver was in this movie called Duel, which was actually Steven Spielberg's first movie and it was about like a killer in a Mack truck and I thought it was kind of a funny coincidence that they had him in this scene after she almost gets ran over by the Mack truck. At the hotel the boys see Philip our British detective receive a photo from a strange man and they get Nancy to go with them to see what it's all about but then it just turns out that it's a picture of his son. And then later on, Jason Fox comes up to Nancy and the boys and is like, we can't find Fenton, the hardy man. (laughs) And Philip isn't answering his pages. So Frank goes to the front desk and he happens to see a photo in Philip's mail slot. And he asks Mr. Hargrove, our hotel manager, if he can take a look. And he's like, all right. Frank is like, that photo wasn't there earlier when I was speaking to a male clerk. Mr. Hardgrove's like, there's only been a lady clerk on duty the whole time. And they get her and she's like, I only stepped away for a minute. Meanwhile, the Phantom is still up to no good and he's tying Fenton up in the cell with the cowboy and then crumples up his pitcher. Meanwhile, Joe goes to Mr. Bronson's room again and the door is ajar. He enters the room and it's wrecked with shit everywhere. And and Bronson's gone. So Joe goes back to the front desk to tell everyone what he's discovered. And the clerk arrives with a present that was left for Jason Fox. So he opens it and there's a ring, a bracelet, and a medallion. Not a crazy cool medallion, but still... (laughs) 
Frank is like, that's his father's ring. And Jason says the bracelet was a gift that he gave to Arlo. And Joe says that Philip Bronson was wearing that crazy cool medallion when they saw him 10 minutes ago. Nancy suggests that the kidnapper could still be in the hotel, but Mr. Hargrove says you can go a long way in 10 minutes. There is also a note in the box that says... Three of your detectives already gone. $500,000 will free them. Don't call the police. Details will follow. And then Mr. Hartgrove's like, that crazy cool medallion has blood on it. Jason says it's probably from the broken glass that was up in the hotel room. And Nancy says they should call the police. Frank is hesitant because of the note, but Jason agrees with Nancy. And Mr. Hargrove says he'll lock up the items in the office until the police arrive. Nancy tells the boys that she's sorry about their father. And they tell her that she was right. This kidnapping is the real deal. And they decide to work together to find the missing guests. Joe wants to check out the canvas at Studio 24, so they head on over there. And we see the Phantom slice another photo of Joe. Nancy shows the boys the canvas of all the guests on the set, but the Phantom hears them approaching. They chat about how the kidnappings are set up like the movie, The House on Brackenmore, and how the culprit could be playing out some kind of weird twisted fantasy when they hear an evil laugh. Nancy sees the shadow in the window again and points it out to the boys. Frank sends Nancy back to the hotel to get Jason and some help, while Joe spots the Phantom fleeing in a golf cart, and then gets in another one to chase after him. Frank goes after him on foot, but ends up getting caught by security again. After a while, Joe spots the Phantom's empty golf cart on a western set and starts to investigate. We see the Phantom toggling switches again, and all of a sudden, Joe hears a rush of water and sees it coming towards him, and he quickly jumps out of the way. He continues to investigate the surrounding area when all of a sudden a hand reaches out and grabs him from behind. To be continued. And that's the end of part one. So part two opens up back at the hotel and Nancy finds Jason Fox talking to Lieutenant Astor of the LAPD. He's now Joe Friday, but whatever. Nancy (laughs) explains about the movie being filmed at the studio and how she thinks it relates to the case. And they're like, you're a girl. You don't know what you're talking about. 70s misogyny. Frank goes to Studio 24 with Studio Security and shows them the picture, but it's been changed back. So the photo faces aren't covering up the original faces that were on the canvas. So that's a bust. Jason and Nancy and Lieutenant Astor show up and the lieutenant wants Frank to come back with him, but he says Joe hasn't come back. And the head of security says that they'll find Joe and not to come back unless they have a pass. Then we see the Phantom who's tying up an unconscious Joe. And then back at the hotel, Frank asks Nancy if she's heard anything from Joe and she's like, no, but let's just go check it out anyway. So they go back to the studio to look for him. Nancy heads back to Studio 24 and sees that the picture is now changed back again with the detective's faces on him. And she finds a photo negative on the floor. She picks it up just as the phantom bursts into the room like the Kool-Aid man behind oh, yeah. her and chases her and taunts her by telling her that she's trapped and that she's next. 
She tries to escape the way she came in, but the phantom locked the door. She decides to run up into the rafters, and they have this long chase scene. She finally makes her way out onto the roof, but the phantom isn't far behind. She jumps across a small gap to the roof of another studio and heads downstairs and out the door, which she runs into Paul Hamilton, aka the Columbo wannabe from before. She chats with him for a bit and then heads off. We then cut to Frank wandering around the studio, and unbeknownst to him, he stumbled onto the Charlie's Angels set, where he was attacked by the Ragdoll Ripper. Just kidding, that's a callback of our first episode. He walks in to frame, and Jacqueline Smith grabs him and gives him a big kiss, thinking that he's the other actor that she's working with. Frank gives her some dumbass line, and then leaves, leaving her and the director confused. Frank continues walking around when a car starts following, then chasing him. He hits a dead end and it turns out to be security yet again. The guard lectures him and takes him back to the main gate and throws his ass out again. We cut to Joe again and he's coming to and realizes he's been tied up and kidnapped. He rolls over and eventually like he is able to get the door open to keep rolling, 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 rolling outside. Meanwhile, back at the hotel... Jason Fox stops Nancy and asks where she was. The lieutenant comes back and asks her the same question. She's like, we were at the studio. And she shows them the negative they found. Back to Frank, he's hopping over the gate again to go back to the studio because he's not giving up on Joe. Then we cut to Joe, who is by a wagon outside and tries to use a sharp edge to, like, free his ropes, which he finally does. And then we see the phantom in the car heading towards Joe, but Joe quickly hides under the wagon as the car stops. We see it's the security guard from before with the phantom. Joe writes down the car's license plate number using a rock on the wagon. Joe then gets into the trunk of the car as the culprits drive off. And he overhears them saying that they're going to check on the others and make sure that they're still there after seeing that Joe escape. Back at the hotel, Nancy is looking through a microscope at the negative and spots some theatrical makeup and a fingerprint on it, which she shows to the lieutenant. He gives it to another officer to run it against the employees who work at the studio. Mr. Hargrove comes in with a letter for Nancy Drew. He says that no one saw who delivered it, and she reads it out loud, and it says, The time has come for retribution. Put the money into a black briefcase. You, Nancy. No one else. Take the studio tour at 10. The lieutenant gets a call from the studio security saying that they still haven't found Joe and then they coordinate the ransom drop at the studio. Frank, still wandering around, is now on the western set where Joe was previously and sees an arrow made with rocks on the ground. He goes to where it's pointing and sees the wagon where Joe left the license plate number. We cut back to Joe getting out of the trunk of the car. He finds himself in front of Studio 29 and goes inside to look around, and he finds the cell where his father and the others are locked up. But then his father yells to him to look out, and he turns around to find the phantom waiting for him. 
back at the hotel, we see someone sneaking up on Nancy and she screams, but it's only Frank. And he tells her that he hasn't found Joe and about the license plate number that he found on the wagon. Frank says he thinks he knows who the kidnapper is. It's Brandon, the security guard, who threw him out multiple times. He tells Nancy that the lieutenant said that Brandon has only been working at the studio for six months. Frank says that Joe is victim number four. And Nancy says that Joe took her place since she was supposed to be next. Later in Mr. Hargrove's office, the police officer comes in with a black briefcase containing the ransom money. Nancy arrives and says that she found a note under her door that says, A policewoman will not do. I want you, Nancy. The lieutenant wonders how the culprit knew that they were going to try to use a policewoman. Nancy insists on doing the drop and the lieutenant relents and makes her wear a wire. Frank insists on going too, since it's his father and brother that they're trying to rescue. Nancy and Jason Fox sit in the last row on the tram as Frank and the lieutenant sit in a car and wait, chatting about how Frank has a huge crush on Nancy. Cut to the cell where Joe is trying to find a way out, but the others say that they've already tried with no luck. Joe reaches into his shoe and has a lock pick and starts working on the lock. So we cut back to Nancy on the tram and they go through the ice tunnel and then the tram moves into a prop storage warehouse and the doors in front of them and behind them slowly start to close. The tour guide is like, what's going on? This wasn't supposed to happen. And we slowly see the phantom sneak up behind Nancy and grab her from behind. Then the doors start to open and Jason turns to Nancy and realizes that she's gone and yells to stop the tram from continuing. We see the phantom and Brandon with Nancy taking off her wire. The lieutenant gets a call saying that they're still in the property warehouse, but they've lost the radio link and he tells his men to check it out. Because of Joe still working on the lock, then back to Nancy and the culprits. The phantom checks the briefcase to make sure the money is all there. Then we cut again back to Joe who finally opened the lock. Fenton's like, I never taught you how to do that. And Joe's like, well, time to go. (laughs) The lieutenant gets a call that there's still no radio link and sends all his units to the property warehouse and drives over there too. We then cut to Brandon and the phantom trying to make their escape, but Joe spots them leaving and tells security, which then radios over to the lieutenant. A cop spots them heading towards the back lot and they try to cut them off. So the Phantom pulls a Jesus move and is able to like stop the water from flowing, creating a path in the lake and drives across. But then the Phantom hits a button on his remote control so that the cops can't follow. They turn around quickly and continue their pursuit when all the cars hit a dead end where they're shooting the TV show Switch on the street. So the Phantom grabs Nancy and tries to make a run for it. Meanwhile, the lieutenant arrests Brandon. Frank is running after the Phantom and tackles him, pulling off his mask to reveal that it's Paul Hamilton. And he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. He would have. Nancy looks shocked and then the Phantom breaks away from Frank's grip and tries to make another run for it, only to be punched and knocked out by Robert Wagner. (laughs) 
The lieutenant thanks him for helping out, and he flirts a bit with Nancy, saying, oh, I was just doing my job. Much to Frank's dismay, he wanted to be the hero and save Nancy. The lieutenant tells Frank that his dad and brother are okay, and so that should wrap it up. But Frank's like, I think not. Once again, back at the hotel, Frank, Joe, and Nancy meet with Jason Fox. They tell him that Brandon and Hamilton were not working alone. They were being used by none other than Jason Fox himself, since the culprits always seem to be one step ahead of them. They say that Brandon changed cars because someone here knew that they had his license plate number, and that a policewoman was going to be substituted for Nancy, and only someone on the inside could have told him that. Joe says that when he came down from Bronson's room and told them that the room had been wrecked and Hargrove noticed the blood on the medallion, Jason said that it must have been from the broken glass. But Joe never mentioned broken glass. The only way he could have known that is if he'd seen the room himself. Jason gets in defensive mode and says that anyone could have made that assumption about the glass and what possible motive could he have had. Nancy says that if we check his bank records, he probably is broke which is why he insisted that the ransom be raised. Jason dismisses them when Frank says that they did get one piece of physical evidence. He says that they saw Jason pick up Bronson's medallion by the chain when they first found the items, but the forensic lab found a fingerprint on the medallion itself. The only way it could have got there is if he pulled it off Bronson after he was knocked out. Jason slowly heads towards the door when Fenton, Lieutenant Astor, and two cops enter the room. Jason congratulates them and says that they're the most remarkable detectives he's ever worked with as he surrenders to the police. We then cut to the lobby where Fenton is chatting with Philip, Arlo, Nancy, and Joe. Fenton says that Jason had been planning this for months and that Hamilton had no idea who hired him and was going to go to Europe with his share of the profits to revive his acting career. Nancy sees Frank coming off the elevator and excuses herself from the group. Nancy and Frank bicker a bit about Frank going somewhere and then she thanks him for saving her life and gives him a kiss. Just then Joe shows up and asks where they are off to. Frank looks annoyed and Nancy just smiles and that's the end of the episode. So thoughts on the episode? It was an interesting story. I feel like some of it was predictable. It's interesting because it's 70s and they got all the 70s hairdos, which are awful. And poor Nancy is like just trying to solve a murder mystery and everyone's got to be like, but you're a girl, you're really a detective. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's weird because this is the second of the crossover episodes of Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Usually it was like Nancy Drew one week and then the Hardy Boys the next week. And the first crossover, I don't remember being like that as much, but I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've seen it. I think it was just Frank really trying to be like chivalrous to like impress Nancy, but it just ended up pissing her off. Yeah, I like that she kind of stood up for herself and was like, fuck y'all, I'm just going to do what I want if you're not going to take me seriously. Yeah, I like this show a lot. It's funny because when I was doing my research, someone called this episode a mix between The Phantom of the Opera and Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, and I totally can see that because each person was going missing one by one and stuff like that. And I liked how it was set at Universal Studios. There's a lot of cool episodes of TV that are set there. Some even filmed there. (laughs) I know there's a Out of This World episode that there's a part that takes place on that Western set. And I think it's cool when you see, like, the backlog. There's even a murder she wrote where they're at the, like, Bates house on Universal Studios. But we'll talk more about Universal Studios in the Brain Basement. 
All right, welcome to the Brain Basement. We're going to talk more about Universal Studios, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, and other things. In 1989, we did a big LA trip to Universal Studios in Disneyland when I was eight and you were five. And we did do the tram tour like they do in this episode. I remember they had the ice tunnel and I remember the rickety bridge because as I've mentioned before in a previous episode, I hate bridges. <laughs> and this is probably one of the reasons why, because this was before the earthquake. So that's probably where my fear of bridges stemmed from. <laughs> and I remember the like King Kong part. They used that in the movie The Wizard. That's the one where the kid goes to California to like the Nintendo competition. Anyways, the Kong part, that burnt down when they had that fire, which sucks. Yeah, I went back a couple of years ago with a friend of mine. The scene where they're in the western town and the water comes on is still like a working feature today. Yeah. <laughs> And also, of course, the Jaws is still there. But then they have a lot of new, like, Fast and Furious stuff and other stuff. I forgot about this until just now. I remember when we were at Universal Studios and my dad was taking video footage, as you did in the 80s, with a big-ass camera. And we were taking our pictures with the Land Before Time dinosaurs. And I'm like, Dad, you have the lens cap on. And he was not listening to me. <laughs> That's pretty usual. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, you put the lens cap on. Like, I said it, like, three times. And he still didn't listen until some guy next to him was like, oh, you have a lens cap on. He's like, oh, thanks. I was like, really, Dad? And it's hysterical because I found that footage. You can literally hear me on the video being <laughs> like, yo, you got the lens cap on. But yeah, Universal Studios is really like kind of a small theme park. It's not like as big as like Disneyland. Well, because it's an actual movie studio, but then they just get the tourists because it's like Hollywood, glamour, and all that jazz. Well, they kind of have, like, the attractions nowadays. Like, if you're a Harry Potter fan, like, they have the whole, like, Hogwarts castle, and then the ride is really cool. That's one of the ones I enjoyed the most. Unfortunately, when we were there, the Jurassic Park one was closed. I think and they're I adding Nintendo stuff. They did in the one in Japan. I think it's supposed to come to America sometime. Oh, that'll be cool. But yeah, the Harry Potter part is like a huge pool for people. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Nancy Drew because I'm a huge Nancy Drew Hardy Boys fan. I love the books. I love the video games. I sort of love the TV shows. <laughs> I don't like the new one. I like the 70s one. Well, I'm still on the fence about the new one. As you all know, I've been a mystery lover for a long time, and I totally grew up reading those books, and they remind me of, like, the summertime when we'd go to Whispering Behinds. It's like a three-hour trip, so I'd read them in the car on the way up, and I've always been an adventure game fan, so I love the games as well, because anytime you got a mystery and an adventure game, I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> You never got into Nancy Drew books, huh? I wasn't much of a reader as a kid, so I liked me some Choose Your Own Adventures. Well, it's just funny because I just got some of the old, like, there was an 80s series of Nancy Drew Hardy Boys, like, mysteries that are Choose Your Own Adventures. But I haven't read them yet, but I have, like, four out of the six. I know I got them for you for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I'm looking forward to those because they seem super fun. So maybe you'll enjoy reading some of those. Maybe. But overall, I love this show a lot. And 
They've tried a lot of different iterations of Nancy over the years. Besides the 70s show that we watched today, there was a backdoor pilot TV movie they did in like 2002. I can't remember that. Yeah, that had Maggie Lawson from Psych in it. She was actually good. They never quite get Nancy right because she's blonde. And Nancy's supposed to be like a redhead. And then Pamela Sue Martin, who was in this, she's like brunette. So the girl who plays Nancy now in the 2019 series is perfect, but I don't like the supernatural stuff in the new show. Like it's too ghosty and I'm not here for that. I'm here for mysteries. I don't care about like supernatural stuff. And so like that's part of the reason I don't really care for the new show. Although the cast is fantastic, I will say. I haven't watched season two yet, but I watched the whole first season of Nancy Drew 2019. I didn't really like the Emma Roberts movie that came out in 2007. We watched the Hidden Staircase one that came out, I think, in 2019. That one was all right, but Nancy was a little young. Like, she seemed like she was, like, 12 (laughs) (laughs) when she's supposed to be, like, 18 and a little more mature, but that one is okay. It wasn't my favorite, but hopefully they'll get a good Nancy Drew adaptation. I know there's a Hardy Boys Hulu series out. I haven't watched that yet, but uh, I'll try to get around to it sometime in the future. That's all I got to say about my girl Nancy and the Hardy Boys. (laughs) You ready to move on to listen to some sleuthing songs? Let's do it. All right, welcome to the Music Spotlight, where today's topic is sleuthing songs. (laughs) AKA Songs of the Detective. First up on the list is Robert Palmer with What Detectives Do Best, which is looking for clues. Yeah, this is a fun little jam. It's not really about detectives, but I threw it on there anyways because I thought it was funny. Next up on the list, we have Thompson Twins with We Are Detectives. We are detectives. We are by the garden tree Last night when I got home I got the feeling I was not alone We are detectives Yeah, I love the Thompson Twins. This is a fun little song that is not as well known as some of their other ones, but I like it. Then up at number three, we have, of course, Johnny Rivers with Secret Agent Man. Every move he makes, another chance he takes. Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Secret agent man, secret agent man. They've given you a number and taken away your name. Secret agent man. 
They're giving you a number and taking away your name. Yeah, this is a good one. He had a bunch of good songs, too. This song always reminds me of Get Smart for some reason. <laughs> well, because they gave them a number and took away their name. Yeah, that's 86 true. and 99. Number four is one of my faves. It's Elvis Costello with Watching the Detectives. She's watching the detectives. Ooh, he's so cute. She's watching the detectives. Duran Duran did a cover of this song on their covers album, and their version's really good too, but I went with the original because it's ska and fun, and I love it. Last up at number five, of course, how could we resist putting it on our list of the best things in life? It's Hollow Notes with Private Eyes. some hollow notes up in here in case you haven't figured that out by now <laughs> yeah they're great we were lucky enough to see them live a couple years ago mm. and they were really good so if you get the chance check them out live and our honorable mention for today is a song by reliant k called nancy drew i got this thing for nancy drew her hair is blonde her eyes are blue yeah i think i'm falling in early 2000s kind of like pop punk record and i really like it and that's it for the music spotlight if you want to listen to these songs in full you can check them out on our website so thanks again for joining us on our mysterious spectacular of nancy drew and the hardy boys so join us again in a couple weeks as we do a little more detectiving and i hope you have a great may yeah since this is kind of our unofficial mother's day episode it's a little early just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at spunkyandsnarkyshow at gmail.com. You can check us out on our website, which is spunkyandsnarkyshow.wordpress.com. You can check out our anchor page, which is anchor.fm slash spunkyandsnarkyshow. You can reach out or like our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok pages. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and have a great one. Bye.